0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Inspired to Act, featuring international leaders in the field of medicine. Here is your host, founding chair, Department of Neurology, Brigham and Women's Hospital, professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School, Dr. Martin A. Samuels. Just 50 years ago, leading scientists believed that organ transplants between individuals might never occur because of undefined so-called biological forces that resulted in organ rejection. But a man, in fact a team, worked tirelessly to understand the rejection process and pave the way for organ transplantation. Because of this pioneering work, modern transplantation has become a successful method for the treatment of human disease. Joining us to discuss the first successful organ transplants in humans is surgeon and Nobel Prize winner Dr. Joseph E. Murray. Joe, welcome, and thanks for coming into the studio to see us today. It's a pleasure being here. It's an honor to have you here because you're partly an icon and you're partly my colleague because I see you there in the Pike in the Brigham as a regular member of our faculty. So to Mm -hmm. have you here in both those ways is really a great honor for me. So I really appreciate your coming. I wanted to start by sort of taking people back half a century. Tell us a little bit about what it was like there at the Brigham before this first transplant was done. I mean, what were people saying? Did anybody think it was possible? Did you have anybody on
1: your side? Or what was it like there? The Brigham was an innovative, small hospital with a wonderful group of colleagues, as you know and I have known over the years. We communicated on the pike, and the interns and the staff were cooperative. The leaders of the Brigham, the chiefs of surgery, chiefs of other specialties, pathology, x-ray, all were cooperative. And Dr. Thorne, was the chief of medicine, had the dream of solving renal disease and high blood pressure. And he felt the best way to treat renal disease is to get rid of the kidneys. And so then he just felt that he worked on developing dialysis, getting the fellow from the Netherlands that we knew. cough cough yeah. Right. Willem Kolf, Willem came, Kolf yeah. came to the Brigham, yeah. had a machine. that was perfected by some of the surgeons on the Brigham staff, mm-hmm. and dialysis was started, and then the next step was replacing the diseased organ with a good one. Yeah. And it was a dream, And whether it was going to work or not, we didn't know, but it was worthwhile trying. I mean, did you think that
0: there was going to be a big rejection problem? Was this something you knew in advance that 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 was going to be the big
1: issue? Well, yes. Well, we knew that foreign tissue was rejected, but the question was, could we overcome it? And each attempt, we learned a little bit, and each step was a help. Actually, after the success occurred We heard from parents and family that failure had occurred, say they were glad that they were part of this whole activity. Mm -hmm. And I still hear now, 50, 60 years later, that they're still happy to have been part of the beginning. But it was a program, a whole team. No one individual does anything. We're all team workers. This has been a big theme in your life.
0: I mean, your modesty about this has been remarkable. I think everybody who knows you is struck by that fact, that you've always given the team credit for this. But the truth was that you spent a lot of time in the lab working this procedure out, didn't you? I mean, uh, learning to actually put the kidney in and make the thing actually work.
1: Yes, I perfected the surgical operation, but we couldn't have done it without the medical men, without the pathologists. And the UCLA coach is the best. The secret of stardom is the rest of the team. Right. And yes. That's what's true. Uh, Life
0: is teamwork. I was struck by uh, something in your book that uh, your wife, Bobby, said to you after the Nobel Prize came. She said, uh, Joe, this is nice. It's icing on the cake, but it's not the real cake
1: itself. <laughs> well, that's true. <so laughs> and I true. think that's
0: an amazing thing for you to, to say. I mean, how many people can say
1: that? I mean, what do you mean by well, that? I mean, What's the real thing if this is just the icing? Well, a grandson asked me, Granddad, how did you win a Nobel Prize? And I said, I didn't win the Nobel Prize. And his face fell. And I said, but no, I was recognized by the committee for work that I was doing every day. It's all teamwork. Then I went on to say, you don't live to win prizes. You win in life by doing what's really part of you, what you really want. Everything else is icing on a cake. You
0: use the word pride in an interesting way in your book, I think. The word can be you know, looked at in two different ways. One can say, well, pride is a good thing. One takes pride in one's work. One needs to have a certain amount of confidence to do anything well. Yeah. On the other hand, pridefulness is a bad thing when it's overdone. So it's the balance, I guess, that matters. I have enough confidence, oh, but oh, not be prideful.
1: Theologically, pride is one of the deadly sins. <laughs> right. And I was once at a meeting honoring one of my colleagues, and I was introduced by the premier of Greece saying, Dr. Murray, so-and-so, you were the leader, or the one that led this research fellow. And I said, well, I pardon you. I was not a leader. I was just one of the group. We were students together. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody at the Brigham was a student. We were all students together. And your specialty in neurology is so helpful, you have examined our patients, your team did, your group, we just work together.
0: You talk about it in a lovely way, and I'm sure it felt that way. A lot of people are listening to us now, a lot of doctors listening to us this minute, who are feeling sort of less optimistic about the way medicine is going. You, you read about it all the time. You, yeah. hear, you yeah. hear about it. Is there a reason for optimism now? Do you think that wonderful atmosphere that you were in is
1: still there or can be reached? Of course. Optimism is part of living. If you're not optimistic, what the heck of living, really? Every day is worth living. Every moment is worth living. And I still exercise regularly as I'm approaching my 90th birthday. And uh, I'm just delighted that I'm able to exercise I can't play tennis like I used to, but I can walk, I can enjoy what I'm doing, and I think I have more time for reflection, too. It's one of the advantages of approaching the time that you can look at life, not a, maybe more objectively, but more fully. If you're just tuning
0: in, you're listening to Inspired to Act on Reach MD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Martin Samuels, and joining me to discuss the first successful organ transplants in humans is Nobel Prize winner Dr. Joseph E. Murray. I was also struck in your book, you mentioned uh, Christian Barnard, the great South African cardiac surgeon who did the heart transplant at Houdeskir Hospital. And you said something interesting about him. You said he was a Greek tragedy, in a way. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, Chris was a bright, talented, talented surgeon. He learned from persons that he worked with. He had the courage to do a cardiac transplant, and it was very well done. But then he became renowned, and he couldn't handle it. I got to know him quite well throughout his life. One time I was with a meeting in Rome with him, and he said, Joe, he said, I couldn't just handle it. I was just a boy that we worked in South Africa I didn't know what to do. And he had his second wife with him then, and she was bored as could be, and then his marriage fell apart. He then worked, I think, somewhere west of the United States, I think doing something commercially Hmm. with his reputation, and he just couldn't handle it. Too much fame. Yeah, too much fame. It's hard to know. You see these moguls of finance that have multi-million dollars of this and that, and it's sad how they ruin their lives chasing after happiness, I suppose, in quotes. Yeah. It's your inner self that's going to count.
0: That brings me to something that I wanted to discuss with you because you're known, of course, to most people out there as the man who transplanted the first organ, of course, and that's extremely important. You won the Nobel Prize. But you're a great reconstructive surgeon. You're a plastic surgeon, and you've done marvelous work. And one of the people I wanted to sort of talk to you about was Charles Woods, who I guess was a soldier. Yes. And he did a number of procedures, and he showed a lot of courage. It made me wonder what you think about the patient side of the interaction with the great surgeon. I mean, how important is the patient side of the equation?
1: Well, the patient is the most important part of the equation. That's what we are as physicians, taking care of patients. Charlie was an aviator, burned badly. He was a war hero in Europe. He came back, wanted to go back. He didn't want to stop, so he went to the Pacific and flying the Himalaya Mountains, helping the Chinese against the Japanese. And the plane crashed because of an error on the pilot, he was burned severely, the most severe burn we had, but we kept him alive, we as a team. I was the lowest man in the totem pole, <laughs> caring for Charles. And we were able to have him recover, reconstructed his hands, his face. He became a successful businessman, he had a good family, we have close friends. He was two years older than I, he just died recently. But it was a great inspiration to us to have known him, but his courage was obviously exemplary. There's a couple of
0: other issues that I wanted to talk to you about, although there's so many I could talk to you all day. And that's the physician-scientist or the surgeon-scientist model. Mm -hmm. This is uh, something that you obviously followed very fastidiously in your own career. You're a great example of that. Science is much more professionalized now. A lot of it's done by PhDs, people who are very oriented toward molecular biology and genetics. Do you think that the modern doctor can be the physician scientist or the surgeon scientist that you are?
1: Of course. It depends, again, on inner motivation. I mean, Pasteur has done a great deal, but he was a bacteriologist. Surgeons have contributed tremendously to scientific knowledge. We were told not to get involved, or I was personally, by my colleagues at the Brigham, surgical colleagues, don't get involved because it'll never work. But we just did it because we were enjoying it, and each thing we did gave us a little bit more idea of success. You just follow your dreams, is <laughs> one of the popular songs, follow your dreams, Absolutely. and you'll find... What you want.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Joe, it is just marvelous to talk to you. And every time I get a chance to talk to you, I learn something more. I want to thank my guest, the pioneering surgeon from Brigham and Women's Hospital and Nobel Prize recipient, Dr. Joseph Murray. Dr. Murray, thanks so much for spending time with us to discuss your role in the first successful transplants in humans this
1: week on Inspired to Act. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure just seeing you. You've
0: been listening to Inspired to Act on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, featuring international leaders in the field of medicine, hosted by Dr. Martin A. Samuels,